0: Let's Science is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com give.
1: We live in a universe of scientific wonders.
2: Every day, scientists are inching towards breakthroughs which can change our lives.
1: We're playing our small part in sharing these wonders with you.
2: That's why today is a fine day for science.
1: So let's science. Caroline, I'm going to throw it over to you. I'm, I'm a little bit wary about this. and um, I'm, I'm having the heebie-jeebies already. But anyway, Caroline, I'm going to throw it over to you so you can talk about science. What's the, uh, what is the topic for today, Caroline?
2: Okay, so, <laughs> mutant daddy short legs created in a lab. <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> Whoa.
1: Excuse me, I've got somewhere else I need to be right now.
2: <laughs> okay, so, look, this is just an article that caught my eye and it was pretty interesting. I thought, you know, let's talk about something completely different and have a bit of fun with it. So, <laughs> so there's been a group of scientists that have created a daddy short legs. So we know about this spider, the daddy long legs, right? So mm-hmm. they've been doing a bit of an experiment with them. Um, so it's it's a stunted version of the household spider. And they've been doing experiments by suppressing the genes that code for the long legs of the spider. You know what? I thought... Before going into the experiment, I talk a little bit about the daddy long leg spider. So if you're not into spiders, stay and listen anyway, because it's pretty interesting, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> so there are several species of daddy long leg spiders. Oh, wow. And oh. they've been actually around on the Earth for about 400 million years, okay? Ooh. So they're not a new species. In Australia, so I'll talk about the Australian ones. In Australia, the most common species is the Fulcus phalangioides. And it's important, is actually imported from Europe, okay? And it's probably, you know, through, you know, movement of cargo or people, or stuff like that. So the spider, the daddy long legs, as we all call it, has eight extremely long, thin legs and a small body. I'm sure everybody's seen this spider around the place. They are found in urban areas and they make these kind of messy webs. You've probably seen them before and you're like, mm, what kind of a web is that? You know, usually <laughs> other spiders make beautiful, ornate, you know, round yeah, symmetric, and hexagonal, yeah. Yeah, symmetrical <laughs> yeah. webs. These just make yeah. like... They're more of the Picasso of spiders. <laughs> webs, yes, they? they're quite artistic. These guys yeah. are not that artistic. Um, yeah. <laughs> but nevertheless, they are still interesting. They feed on other insects and spiders, which is actually good because if you keep them in your house, you've got a form of natural pest control. So don't go squashing these guys when you see them. Just let them stay in your in your house.
1: I've always thought daddy longlegs were the, were the good guys of spiders. They yeah. are. They are. Yeah.
2: So they tend to live in areas where they can't be disturbed, such as like under your furniture, Um, in sheds, in garages, in the corner of the ceilings. That's usually where you see it in your house. There'll be like, if you look up, everybody now, have a look up on your ceiling, have a look in the corner and just check you may have a daddy long legs sitting there. Guys, so far, you so got like, one? No, no, not No? Much, no. Uh, not yet, I, I'm sure you'll get one soon. My yeah, study is
1: like a box, so it's not really a, <laughs> a spider me. No, there's some webs up there. It could be one. Yeah. Anyway. There you go. Cool, cool, <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Yeah.
2: So, um, okay, so I recently had two in my bathroom, okay, and I did leave them there. They were quite okay. They are just sitting in their corners. The silly little things decided that they'd venture down to the floor <laughs> while my cat... <gasps> Chocolate oh. rocket chips decided oh. <laughs> to have a little bit of a play, and he ate them. So, oh. okay. yeah, i bit. I was actually a bit sad about that. I don't know why they decided to come down, but anyway, they did, and I didn't see them in time, and they they got eaten. Anyway, <laughs> so I'm I'm sure another couple will come and and take their place.
0: Take their place. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> so these daddy long legs now. You guys have probably seen this before. So when you disturb them in their web, they start to get into like a very sp- fast spinning motion. Have you seen this? Mm-hmm. So you touch their web and they just like, it's it's not that actually the, the web is moving. It's the spider. So the spider moves. It gets really, really blurry when you're looking at it. It's probably a kind of a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's a really cool fact. And You've probably heard the myth that the spider has the most toxic venom of all spiders.
1: That's the common thing that yeah. goes around here. Common yeah.
2: misconception. Well, and that's probably because they are capable of killing other spiders and, and consuming them. But this isn't true. Their venom is like very, very, well, it doesn't kill you. So if you're going to hold one, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Um so the MythBusters show. Remember MythBusters? Yes, that was oh, cool.
0: great, great show,
1: great show. <laughs> they didn't blow one up, did they?
2: They didn't oh! blow it up. <laughs> Imagine that a tiny spider explosion. Anyway, <laughs> so what they did was they tested out whether their their little fangs. So their fangs are only about two point two five millimeters long. They wanted to see if they could pierce human skin, oh. and it was found out that they could. <laughs> so they ah. got bitten. Um, oh but, my goodness! <laughs> Ouch. But turns out the bite is very short lived. And, you know, it's a very short-lived sting and they didn't get poisoned. So, but please don't go testing out (laughs) spiders on your hand to see if they bite. Because we do all know what a daddy long legs looks like, but just in case you get a different one, please don't get bitten. So I'm not endorsing holding spiders for the, Point of getting bitten. Yes, anyway,
1: yes, yep. So that was I'll just go one some, further. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not endorsing holding spiders at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes, no, and I sh- yeah, I'm assuming people are just going to go hold spiders. Most people don't even want to look at a spider, so that's I'm pretty <laughs> probably bit. His- probably safe there. So, okay, so let's get into this research. So some research was performed by a group of scientists at the University of Wisconsin-Madison in the United States, led by Guillaume Garnett, and he was the lead author of a paper they published in the journal Proceedings of Royal Society B on August 4th. So it's a relatively new paper. So their aim, not just because they wanted to play around and see if they could make dirty legs. Daddy short legs, <laughs> but it was more to understand more about these creatures, the way they've evolved and the, their their way of locomotion and their body plan, you know, on the genetic level. It turns out that daddy le- long legs, spiders, don't actually use all eight of their legs to walk. Oh, wow. So yeah. they use the back three pairs of legs are for walking. But the longest pair at the front are actually used for waving and feeling their way around the environment. You've probably seen them. If you see them walk around, you probably notice that
0: they do wave Mm -hmm. their front Mm -hmm. legs around. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: So the experiment. So the genome of the species, so the species they used was phalangium opilio, and they first mapped the genome of the spider. And it took them about two years to do this because there were about 580 million base pairs in the spider Ooh, genome.
0: Goodness me, you're oh, okay. Yeah. And um, it says.
2: So, what they did then was to compare this genome map of the spider to that of other insect genomes, such as the fruit fly, which is Drosophila melanogaster. And now, if you're into biology, you'll probably know that the fruit fly is being experimented a lot in in genetic terms. So they they do kind of like, what happens if we move this gene? Oh, no wings. Or what happens if we do this? You know, oh, no legs. You know, so they, they have been mm-hmm. experimenting on this fly for quite a while. So they know quite a lot about it. So what they did is they looked for the genes that were likely to code for legs. And they found a group of genes called HOX genes. And two of these genes called DFD and SCR And these code for the leg development in spider embryos. So they weren't sure if they had to turn off both genes or a combination of on and off genes to change the shape of the legs or the size of the legs. It turns out that turning off both the DFD and SCR genes resulted in the three pairs of the walking legs to be shortened and it changed their shape a bit as well. Another manipulation of the genes... Turn the legs into uh, structures called pedipalps, which help the spiders to eat their food. Hmm. So that was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and then in some embryos or embryo spiders, not all the legs were shortened. And they think this is because there's another Hox gene that probably has an influence on the leg length too. So I guess they also kind of confirm that you can have a gene that codes for something, but there may be a gene somewhere else that helps in the coding or the expression of a gene in an organism. So that's pretty interesting. So some of their little embryos managed to hatch after genetic manipulation, but unfortunately they did all die after adulthood, which just shows Mm. you can't manipulate something and expect it to live. You know, you need it. It needs to be intact the way God made it, (laughs) the way way it was created naturally. So, um, yeah, so that was quite an interesting study and, and now they um, hope in the future to maybe do some further studies to clarify how other structures such as the fangs are formed, you know, and that kind of thing. So, is there, yeah, I just thought that was an interesting study and uh, something, you know, just to... I guess it helps in learning about evolutionary biology, how things evolved, mm. how genes code the way you know just some more research into how what happens when you manipulate genes, and it's a good thing they're doing these things on insects you know and not on like you know animals, which are, they do, but I don't want to talk about that cause it's yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah and um yeah, so yeah it's just yeah it's just interesting, anyway, yeah, and we've
1: always talked about um. You know, a lot, We, you know, because we love space science so yes, much. We want to do things on, the, you know, on that huge universal level, but on the microscopic yeah. level, things oh. are just as interesting, aren't they?
2: Well, there's a whole world there. I mean, if you look at the interactions of molecules together and you know, it's, it's a whole system on its own. I mean, the biochemistry system is just amazing. When you affect one one molecule, it'll affect other molecules. You know, you affect on the genetic level and it affects the mm. whole, you know, what comes next after that, you know, expressions of genes and, the uh, pr- the production of proteins and you know how it affects the function of an organism. So, um, it really it really just shows the cause and effect of that. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting study and it it's quite complex. But you know yeah. you know and I just explained it on the basic level, but. You know, nevertheless, quite, in, quite interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, I might just tack on a very quick bit of space news. Yes. So I've been, I, I try and keep up with what's happening in the world of, of space, you know, as we all do every now, every so <laughs> often. So there's a, um, just yesterday, so while I was at uni, and our full confession, so while I was at uni online <laughs> studying, uh, there happened to be a rocket launch at the same time, so I managed to watch both. <laughs> Obviously, one had to be muted, and it wasn't uni. Uh, but, um, but an, an up-and-coming uh, company called Firefly, uh, they um, they are trying to do the same thing, well, and, and, and in different iterations of Rocket Lab of becoming a small satellite launcher. So they in the small satellite business, I look at their website, they're actually building all kinds of different variants of rockets, not large ones, but ones for small satellite launch uh, ones that can do um, different kinds of trajectories. They're building a moon lander for landing equipment on the moon, not for people. Mm, but NASA cool. has already got a contract with them for the potential of what it can do. So they uh they did a test launch of their Alpha rocket, which is the first uh first rocket that they'll be um producing. Now it's a test, and it failed after two minutes of flight. So they had to um they had to detonate the rocket because one of the they, they say it's an anomaly, so they don't know what happened yet. But the rocket started sort of spinning out of control. It was, you know, basically it was dangerous from that point. So they mm. had to, they had to. I'm assuming their remote detonated it. That that's what you'd have to do next. Otherwise, you know, it could hit a civilian population, yeah, a city, good. things like that. So that's, yeah, which is why they have um, the ability to detonate it while it's, um, while it's up in, in, the air. Uh, so the important thing that they mentioned was that they've got two solid minutes of flight data. The rocket exploded uh, just before going supersonic. So it just it, um, it had just gotten out of max Q or the maximum dynamic pressure and uh, it was at that moment that something went wrong. So they'll be pouring over the data to see what happens there. But um, it was a very exciting flight to watch this thing take off um, and and do what it was able to do. So from here now, um, th- they'll do more testing, and it'll be back on the pad. And I think one thing that's important to remember, because I, I, I looked at headlines and, and things... Uh, yeah the headlines usually you know firefly alpha rocket test ends in explosion ends in failure these these explosions during the testing phase are not failures mm. it's part of, that's why it's called testing well, yeah, They true. Yeah. put it yeah. together yeah. they've put in the parameters that they think will work they've done testing on the ground they've done their static fires but you won't actually know what this machine is capable of doing until you launch it you launch it you yeah, launch it? So, yeah. yeah. yeah it makes sense so yeah. a lot of uh, a lot of rockets um in their test phases have exploded before um before actually being successful, some there's been a, a rare number of rockets that have made it on their first flight uh, into into space. But sometimes that's because they're based on on previous platforms that have already worked. Uh, but when you're building a whole new platform from the beginning, it's not always going. It's not you know, especially during the testing phase, it's not going to be successful. So in this case, it wasn't, and it's nothing to be sad or upset about. It's actually just to it's something to say um, here's another rocket company that is getting closer and closer hmm. to space with each attempt. Well, they, uh, they do like, find
2: a lot of information, don't they? With these explosions, they have a lot of measurements and things so they know how to correct it next time. So, Yeah,
1: these things yeah. are packed with sensors as well. Mm-hmm. And also um, with, the, um, with the design of the, the carbon composites, whatever they're using as the shell of the, the rocket's body as well, to see how it stacks up in different um, amounts of mm. pressure as it's, as it's launched as well. So that they'll get data on that, on how their engines performed, that there's all this information for them now to pour over. And now they make adjustments for the next test until they get it right. If if you want to see an example of a company that blows things up often in order to get it right, look at SpaceX. Yes. <laughs> just look at mm. just look at their mm. history. The first, <laughs> they, yeah, the first yeah. you
2: uh, what was it now the Starship?
1: Starship, yeah,
2: they were fun, uh, but they learned a yeah. lot. <laughs> yeah,
1: it took it took three. Well, it took four flights before they were actually able to land one properly without deton- without a detonating or anything like that. Yeah, so there's a
0: lot of things. A lot of things there. Yeah. Let's Science is brought to you by StarQuest Media and is a fortnightly podcast that brings you the scientific wonders of our universe from a distinctly Catholic point of view. For more from Caroline, Lindsay, and friends, listen to the StarQuest show, Catholics of Oz. Find links from today's show at sqpn.com slash science and find the Catholics of Oz at sqpn.com slash oz. Be sure to follow the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you can find podcasts, or on the SQPN YouTube channel. The generous donations of our patrons at sqpn.com/give make it possible for us to continue Let's Science and all the shows at StarQuest, which makes our nonprofit mission possible. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com/give. Join us next time for more scientific wonders, and thank you for listening to Let's Science on StarQuest.